Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Hello again. Two weeks ago, leaders of the world, led by USA President Joe Biden, met for a virtual climate summit. There were a few bright spots during the two-day summit. I've got a couple of winners and a couple of losers for you. First of all, Joe Biden comes out looking good. It was his leadership that gathered the world to tackle climate change in a serious manner. Without leadership from the United States, as was the case under the Orange Liar, the world wasted four precious years to take much-needed action. Now with Biden in charge, there's a new sheriff in town. Kudos for Biden. Another winner is people like you and me, climate activists. Our voices have been heard, loud and clear. The constant pressure from everyday people has forced leaders to take climate change head-on. A big part of dealing with climate change is to stop tropical deforestation, and the summit is helping with that. The United States, Norway, and Britain, along with major corporations like Amazon, Nestle, Unilever, and others, are going to help protect tropical forests in Brazil, Bolivia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Those are three countries with the highest rates of deforestation last year. That help is going to come in the form of money. There were also a few losers at the summit, and unsurprisingly, the coal industry was at the top of the list. Boo-hoo-hoo. There is simply no place for continued use of coal if climate goals are to be reached. In the United States, there are 191 working coal plants. To reach greenhouse gas goals in the future, those plants will likely be shut down by 2050. Republicans also fall on the loser's side. Not a shock, Republicans still want fossil fuels to remain the centerpiece in the GOP's version of the American economy. At some point, Republicans will have to find a new source of election donations because the oil, gas, and coal industry won't be getting a free ride to do as they please with our air, water, and land. We're not out of the woods yet, but achieving our climate goals are within our reach. But stopping temperatures from increasing 1.5 degrees centigrade is likely not going to happen. We're already up 1 degree, and the effects of that increase is devastating. Stopping us from getting to 2 degrees might be the best we can do. What did some of the other world leaders have to say at the summit? Brazilian President Bolsonaro vowed to end illegal deforestation in the country by 2030 and achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. However, the optimism was short-lived. The very next day, he cut Brazil's environmental budget for the next year. Japan pledged to curb emissions by 46% by 2030, compared to 2013 levels, and pledged to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Canada will slash emissions 40 to 45% by 2030. India confirmed the country's vow to install 450 gigawatts of renewable energy by 2030. And Russia pledged to significantly reduce the country's emissions in the next three decades, 
Putin also said the country has nearly halved its emissions compared to 1990 and called for a global reduction of methane, a greenhouse gas that is 84 times more potent than carbon dioxide, and a main driver of climate change. However, President Putin didn't pledge to stop killing people who oppose him. That would be a nice change, too. And China reaffirmed commitments to peak emissions before 2030 and to go carbon neutral by 2060. South Korea will end public financing of cold fire power plants overseas and plans to unveil a stronger emissions reduction pledge. Nations under the Paris Agreement are set to unveil updated emission targets for the next decade at the UN Climate Conference in Glasgow, Scotland, coming up this November. It'll be interesting to see how things change. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Leonardo DiCaprio is our Climate Hero today. He's helped produce three great documentaries, Cowspiracy, The Eleventh Hour, and Before the Flood. I'm a little mad at him for Before the Flood because the artwork for the movie poster looks almost identical to the cover of my book, Escape to Canemouth, which was released earlier than his documentary. However, we move on. Leonardo discussed the climate crisis when he won Best Actor at the Oscars for his role in The Revenant. I remember him mostly writhing around in pain and grunting in that movie. I liked him much better in Inception, although I have to admit, I don't think I really understood what happened in that movie. DiCaprio puts his money where his mouth is, that's for sure, literally. He's invested in plant-based companies like Beyond Meat and Hippies. He's part of the team at the Sustainable and Health Advisory Council of Perfect Day. They're a startup that's created the world's first animal-free dairy ice cream. He established the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation to protect wild species. And he partners with Kingo, an off-the-grid solar company who sets up solar units in remote places where electricity is scarce or non-existent. I guess he's the king of the world. Couldn't have Kate Winslet have moved over a little bit and made room for him? Can you dance like a tree for 15 seconds? If so, you should send your video to video entry at dancedlikeatree.net. How do you dance like a tree? Well, you act like the tree was uprooted and suddenly given legs. Doing this helps plant trees as part of the world's largest video challenge, supporting tree planting around the world to address climate change. Dance Like a Tree is a worldwide consortium anchored by IB Lending, Multiversing, Las Hermanas, Friends Beyond Borders, and environmental groups everywhere. The group promoted the TikTok for Good hashtag for climate campaign in 2019, which included 273,000 videos and 384 million votes. They also supported Jimmy Donaldson and his successful YouTube campaign to plant 20 million trees by the end of 2019. We talked about that campaign during the May 30th episode last year. Videos are expected to fit the TikTok standard of 15 seconds. Everyone who submits a video gets celebrated as a climate hero in their Dancing Tree Hall of Fame. So get moving, people. Shake your groove thing. 1992. Let's take a look at environmental events in the news from 1992. The Greening of Planet Earth was a half-hour-long video produced by the coal industry, which argued that rising CO2 levels would be beneficial to agriculture and that policies intending to reduce CO2 levels were misguided. The video argued that rising CO2 levels would both directly stimulate plant growth and, as a result of the warming properties, cause winter temperatures to rise, thereby indirectly stimulating plant growth. Funding for the video was provided by the Western Fuels Association, which coughed up $250,000 to make the video. Were there oil spills in 1992? 
Oh, yes. Katrina P. was a Greek oil tanker carrying 72,000 tons of oil and sank off the Mozambique coast in April. The Aegean Sea tanker spill occurred in December. The ship broke in half, allowing the release of 67,000 tons of the 79,000 tons of light crude oil it was carrying. The Aegean Sea oil spill affected countless amounts of sea life. The local fishing industry received the hardest blow, with the ban of all fishing by the Fisheries Council. The Mingbulak oil spill, also known as the Fergano Valley oil spill, was the worst terrestrial oil spill in the history of Asia. The crude oil released from the well burned for two months and resulted in the release of 35,000 barrels up to 150,000 barrels per day. In total, 2 million barrels were collected behind emergency dikes. The oil stopped flowing by itself somehow. A total of 285,000 tons of oil were released, and it was the fifth largest oil spill in history. The United States Julin Nuclear Test Series was a group of seven nuclear tests conducted in 91 and 92. Those tests were followed by Operation Sculpin, and those were the last before negotiations began for the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty. The World Scientist's Warning to Humanity was a document written in 1992 by Henry Kendall and signed by about 1,700 leading scientists. The Earth Summit was a major United Nations conference held in Rio de Janeiro in June. The issues addressed included alternative sources of energy to replace the use of fossil fuel, which delegates linked to global climate change. Gee, does that sound familiar? An important achievement of the summit was an agreement on the Climate Change Convention, which in turn led to the Kyoto Protocols and the Paris Agreement. The number one movie at the box office that year was Aladdin. Two of the most popular books were Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King, The Pelican Brief by John Grisham, and Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You was the number one song. In fact, it was the only good song from the entire year. It was the only good song from the 90s. Younger listeners will no not disagree with this opinion, but it's how I feel. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. I try to present a balanced view on this podcast of, holy crap, we're doomed, and hey, we're going to fix this. This next segment is more like the former than the latter. While we scramble to stop the worst effects of climate change, here are nine reasons why I'm going to try not to cry myself to sleep tonight. Earth has experienced cycles of warming and cooling over the ages, the significant warming trend we're facing now is nothing like that of the past. The difference, say scientists, is humans. Human activity, from rising sea levels to retreating glaciers, coral bleaching, human-induced global warming is affecting every corner of our planet. Every corner is the Earth flat, and that has four corners. Global sea levels rose about eight inches over the last hundred years. This is according to NASA. That might not seem like much, but the rate of sea level rise over the last two decades is nearly double that of the entire previous century. Scientists predict that global sea level rise is likely to climb at least 12 inches above 2,000 levels by 2100, even if we stay on a low emissions pathway. Sea level rise is driven by the melting of glaciers and ice sheets, as well as water that expands as it warms. The temperatures are rising too. Thanks to an increase in carbon dioxide, along with other human-made emissions that we send out into the air, Earth's average surface temperature is about 2 degrees Fahrenheit higher since the late 19th century. Most of that warming has occurred in the last 40 years, and seven of the most recent years being the warmest. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which you've heard me talk about before, that includes more than 1,300 scientists from the United States and around the world. They predict 
Temperatures are going to rise 2.5 degrees to 10 degrees Fahrenheit over the next 100 years. Well, 10 degrees Fahrenheit would be insane and catastrophic. The oceans are getting warmer. The oceans are a key indicator of global warming because they absorb more than 90% of the increased atmospheric heat associated with greenhouse gas emissions. The top 330 feet of the ocean's surface has warmed up about half a degree Fahrenheit since 1969. Greenland lost an average of 280 billion, with a B, tons of ice per year between 1993 and 2019, while Antarctica lost about 150 billion tons per year. How are we going to get that back if things keep getting warmer? And about 25 to 30 percent of sea level rise is due to glacier ice melt. We have more frequent extreme weather events. Last year was incredible. Record-breaking wildfires, hurricanes, heat waves. Experts say extreme weather events are becoming more frequent, and we're likely to see more deadly, destructive, and intense years like 2020 in the future. From 1900 to 1980, as an example, a new temperature record was typically set about every 14 years. Since 1981, a new record has been set every three years. And it's getting more humid. Increased humidity is due to the amount of water vapor that's in the air. Just one more trend that indicates Earth's atmosphere is changing. And there's less snow. Satellite data shows the amount of spring snow cover in the northern hemisphere has decreased over the last five decades, and the snow is melting earlier. Glaciers in the United States and around the world have shrunk since the 1960s. And the rate of melting has accelerated over the last 10 years. And finally, the oceans are becoming more acidic. They're up about 30% since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Acidification occurs as human-produced carbon dioxide is absorbed by the oceans. Acidification of oceans imperils marine wildlife, especially shellfish, which impacts the entire marine food chain, and eventually including humans. The thought of a world without seafood, particularly in areas that rely on fish, is difficult to contemplate. So there you go. Well, that was depressing. But that does not mean we give up. It means we fight harder and with more insistence that every year matters. Let's go. Let's do this. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. Okay, this time I think I'll hit record. Let's try that again. Lee Raymond is like the ultimate James Bond climate villain. Just can't get rid of the guy. Raymond was a former ExxonMobil boss who's been on the board of directors for J.P. Morgan for the last 30 years, finally resigned his position the end of December. His departure marks another key turning point in the climate crisis. Saying goodbye to oil and gas executives sitting at the highest spot of a bank like that will help stop fossil fuel companies from raking in cash as they trash the planet. Raymond was a key exec at Exxon in the 1980s and onward. They made huge piles of cash and was one of the most profitable companies in the world. During Raymond's tenure, Exxon scientists discovered that climate change was real and dangerous, and Exxon executives decided to join with others in the industry to cover that truth up. Raymond gave a speech to the World Petroleum Congress in 1997 on the eve of the Kyoto climate talks, and Raymond said the planet was cooling, not getting warmer. When Raymond retired as the CEO of Exxon, they gave him $650 million. Do you know how many Teslas he could buy with that? Ladies and gentlemen. The Tyler Prize for Environmental Achievement began in 1973 when John and Alice Tyler created an award to honor those who worked to preserve and enhance our world and inspired others to understand the importance of the environment. 
Think of the Tyler Prize as the environmental equivalent of the Nobel Prize. Last year, two outstanding individuals, Dr. Gretchen Daly and Mr. Pavan Sukhdev, received the award and will share $200,000 cash prize. Pavan's field of studies includes green economy and international finance. He was the special advisor and head of the United Nations Environmental Program's Green Economy Initiative that focused on demonstrating that the greening of economies is actually an opportunity for growing wealth, increasing decent employment, and reducing persistent poverty. Dr. Daly becomes only the seventh woman to ever receive the prestigious award. In 2005, the Natural Capital Project was co-founded by Daly. Today, it is regarded as a global leader in equipping policymakers with the knowledge and tools needed to draft policies and direct investments in a manner that would enhance green growth. And you know I love to tell you about the awards that people win. She's won the 21st Century Scientist Award, the Sophie Prize, the International Cosmos Prize, the 16th Annual Heinz Award with special focus on global change, the Midori Prize, the Volvo Environmental Prize, and the Blue Planet Prize. Pavan has won a slew of awards, too. He was selected Personality of the Year for 2010 by Environmental Finance, awarded the medal in 2011 for his outstanding contributions to biodiversity. He was appointed the United Nations Environmental Program Goodwill Ambassador in 2012. He is also a recipient of the Blue Planet Prize. Congrats to both laureates. That concludes Episode 30 of the podcast. Thanks to the entire crew today. I'll catch you next time. Until then, good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.